The story is told of a preacher one time who was greatly distressed over a member of the congregation. This particular individual had been absent from services quite a lot, had decided that his own pleasure and what he wanted to do was more important than the work of the Lord. And after spending a lot of time in prayer, the preacher went to see the man. And he went to the man's home and he found the man sitting by the fire. The absentee was somewhat startled by the intrusion. And he hastily placed another chair there beside the fire. And then he just sat back and braced himself for the rebuke that he was expecting to receive. And yet, this will shock you, not a word was spoken. The preacher took his seat by the fire. And he reached up to where the fireplace tools were and he silently took the fireplace tongs in his hand and reached in and took a glowing hot red coal from the embers of the fire and placed it on the brick hearth in front of the fireplace and watched the blaze die out and watched that glowing red ember become nothing but a cold, black, charred, lump. And the preacher then pushed his chair back, arose from his seat, and he left. And the man who had been absent from worship saw the lesson. And that story reminds us this morning of a very significant passage that comes from the pen of the Apostle Paul. It's a letter that he wrote to his son in the gospel, young timid Timothy. And it's in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 6. And Paul says, Wherefore I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee. Somehow, as long as that stays in the sanitized language of the King James Version, some of its original meaning is missing. Here is the way that same passage reads in Philip's translation. I now remind you to stir up the inner fire which God gave you. Paul wants young Timothy to rekindle the inner fire that he was given with the laying on of Paul's hands. As Paul writes this letter, he knows the trying circumstances that young Timothy has been placed in. And he realizes that young Timothy is in, in danger of losing his own zeal and his own passion for the gospel. <coughs> He knows the temptation 
that he's facing to let the fire of his enthusiasm go out and burn cold and turn black and cold. So Paul encourages this young preacher to rekindle the gift that God has put within him. To look after the fire of zeal that's burning in his soul for the Lord. And he warns him against letting this fire in his heart burn low and completely die. We're at the very beginning of a new year and a new decade of service to the Lord. Is that not good and sound advice for all of us? Do we all not need to guard the fires of our zeal? So we don't allow the fire of our zeal for the Lord and His work and His worship to burn low and to be extinguished. As Paul writes to this young man, he's not accusing him of putting out his own fire. He didn't tell Timothy, he said, boy, you need to stop throwing water on that fire of your zeal like you're doing. You see, for a fire to go out, it's not always necessary for that fire to be put out and extinguished. When I was growing up, we had a fireplace in our house. In fact, it worked so well, after a few years, Daddy had another one built into the house. And I can fondly remember waking up on cold winter mornings, such as we've had this morning. And in the comfort of my bed, hearing the sound of an axe out in the carport as Dad was chopping some kindling. I'd be burrowed underneath the blanket and he's outside in the cold chopping kindling and then he would come in and use that kindling and he'd start a fire in the fireplace and break the chill in the room and then I would get up. We had central heat in our house. But... I wouldn't say my father was tight, just frugal. Dad had a father who was in the logging and the timber business. He managed timber for other people. He also had a son that was free labor to split and load firewood. You know all these nice hydraulic log splitters people have these days? Daddy didn't have one of those. Daddy had a son with a splitting maul, a double-bit axe, a single-bit axe, and an assortment of wedges to split his firewood. And Dad's log splitter was powered on Grandmother Perkins' biscuits and gravy. So we would go over there on Saturday morning and load up on biscuits and gravy, and then we'd go cut two pickup trucks full of firewood. It was just economical for Dad to go get the wood that Granddad had laying there free and to use his son, which was a very economical log splitter and front-end loader, and have that fireplace to break the chill in the room. But if we lit that fire in that fireplace and we just left it alone, all we had to do to lose that fire and let winter with its icy chill invade the house was just leave the fire alone. And it'd go out. 
all that's necessary for me or for you to waste our talents, all that's necessary for me or to you to let all that God has invested in us go for nothing, is to simply neglect our talents, neglect our abilities, and just leave it alone. Paul's not accusing this young man of putting out his fire. He's not accusing him of misusing his gifts. He's not afraid that this young man's going to take the talents God has given him and turn them into some kind of a base and reprehensible use. There are some folks, like the prodigal son, that waste their substance with riotous living. And then there are other folks that waste their substance with quite respectable and decent living. In the far country by the swine trough is not the only place that men and women squander their abilities. Abilities are often squandered by those who occupy pews in churches all over this country. They're squandered by folks that are well-wishers of the church. And they're well-wishers for all the forces of uplifting of the world and the salvation of lost mankind. But all they do is wish. Paul's not accusing Timothy of squandering and wasting his talents. And he's not even urging Timothy to acquire any new talents. He's not urging him to use gifts he doesn't have. He simply impresses upon this young man the sane and practical duty of using what he actually has. Stir up the gift that is within thee. Rekindle that flame that's in your soul. It's not necessary for you to be able to sing like somebody else can sing. And it's not necessary to be able to preach the grandest of sermons if that was a prerequisite I'd have quit a long time ago. Our whole duty, our whole duty is to minister with our own hands. Walk on errands of mercy on our own feet. And speak as God has given us power through our own lips. We are to use the talents that God has committed to us. That's our duty. That's our whole duty. Have you ever stopped to consider what a different world this would be? If all of us were willing to use our own gifts and our own talents like we can imagine we would use the gifts of others. We all know what it is to wish that we were as talented as other people are. And we can all say how much we would give to the Lord if we had the resources that someone else gives. We can all be free with somebody else's money. We can imagine how we'd use our talents if we were blessed with a good voice. If we could preach like Paul, oh my, what we would do. But God brings to me this morning, and He brings to you this morning, the same thing He said to Moses when He called him to go speak to Pharaoh. He said, Moses, what is that in your hand? 
God's not concerned with what we would do if. God's not concerned what we would do if we had the talent of someone else. God is only concerned what we do with what we have. God's desire is for us to serve Him with what we actually possess. God's desire is for us to have the full dedication of our talent and our ability and give it to Him. When Paul writes these words that we use for our text, Paul's writing to a Christian. He's not writing to a heathen. He's not writing to someone that utterly ignores Jesus and utterly ignores the church. He's writing to a young man about whose conversion he has no doubt. It had actually been Paul's privilege to lead this young man to a knowledge of Jesus. He was Paul's son in the gospel. And Paul loved this young man with a passionate devotion. And it's a deep joy for Paul as he calls to mind the unfeigned faith that Timothy has. Paul does not doubt the young man's loyalty to Jesus. But even this young man, this choice young man, Paul finds it necessary to urge upon him the necessity to keep his fire burning. He's writing to a Christian. He's writing to a Christian minister. And Paul reminds him in verse 9 that he has been called to a holy calling. And Timothy knows by experience the glad thrill of being a herald of the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ. This young man is occupied with the most fascinating of all labors. But even to him, Paul says, rekindle that fire. Even to him, Paul says, keep that fire burning. Do you wonder about that? Do you wonder why this young preacher needed that exhortation from Paul? He was in a hard situation, folks. There is never a time when Christian work is altogether easy. Carrying out the work of Jesus Christ in this world that we live in has always meant and will always mean struggle and conflict. In our world today, it's often hard to stand up for Christ if you stand up for Him truly. Oh, we don't face in this country the stones and physical persecutions of the martyrs. We don't in this country face the prospects of being beheaded as Christians in other lands do even today. But we do face the ridicule. We face the criticism. And we face the bullying of unchristian thugs that have a large platform often in our country. Organizations such as the ACLU and the Freedom From Religion Foundation and others could be mentioned. But if you think it's hard today, 
Think what it might have been like in the days that Timothy lived. When Christians were very few. When to go forth as a disciple of Jesus, you were a small minority. But there was more involved than that. It was to be scorned. It was to be hated. It was to be persecuted. It was to be imprisoned. And it was often to be put to death. So young Timothy, separated from his father in the gospel, the apostle Paul needed that message. Because without that heartening message, he might have allowed his talents to go to waste. But he also needed that message for another reason. He was just young. He was an extremely young man. He had never succeeded in growing up. He never did in his life get to the place where he was impressive to look at. And because he was so fresh-faced and seemed such a youth, people found it easy to ignore him. That's why Paul in the first letter, do you remember what Paul wrote to him in the first letter? He said, let no man despise thy youth, but be an example to others. He also needed this message because he was a physically weak young man. He was not a young man of robust and vigorous body. He had an affliction of the stomach that laid him low over and over again. And because it's hard work when... Pain is constantly nagging at you. It's hard to work when you constantly have a nagging pain. And it's hard to stick to your task when disease is thrusting at you again and again with its sword. Paul thought it was necessary and wise to urge upon this young man the necessity of stirring up the gift God had put within him. Why? Did Paul urge him to keep this fire burning because of some great personal reward that he was going to get? There's no great financial reward going to come to Timothy because of this. He's not telling him, keep this fire burning because God's going to let you fill some big pulpit in some big church in some big city. He didn't tell him that. He didn't say... Keep that fire going because someday you're going to have a big television program, Timothy. He didn't tell him that either. He offers him no reason that would appeal to his personal ambition or cater to his cowardice. There's great need because of the opposition. He tells him evil men, young man, are going to wax worse and worse. There are those, and he says, their number will increase. Those who have itching ears. Those who are going to turn away their ears from the truth. Those who are going to be turned unto fables. And the time's going to come, young man, he says, that they will have a form of godliness, but they'll deny the power of God. He says, you need to keep that fire burning, son. And you keep that fire burning for the sake of your own personal salvation. In giving himself to this task, in utilizing his gift, Paul tells Timothy he's going to save himself. And if he's not going to use his talents, he's going to lose them. And he's going to lose his soul. If Jesus Christ ever emphasized any one fact above all others, it was the fact that to simply keep hands off, to do nothing, 
is the sin of all sins. Every parable of judgment, as far as I have been able to find out, if you find out differently, tell me. Every parable of judgment spoken by Jesus, as far as I have been able to find out, is a parable pronounced because of a service withheld. So how did Timothy treat this urgent word from Paul? He responded. He stirred up the gift. He rekindled the fire. The young man won the fight. How did he do it? Well, he had a lot of human help. Grandmother Lois was praying for him. And beside her in the secret place was his mother, Eunice. And with Timothy was the abiding memory of Paul, his father, in the faith. And it's possible that there were other obscure saints whose names only are known in heaven that were praying for that young man. And he owed his victory to Jesus Christ Himself. Because you see, in spite of his weakness, in spite of his timidity, he's referred to oftentimes as timid Timothy. In spite of his weakness and in spite of his timidity, he dared to put himself in the hands of the Lord. And young timid Timothy became a blessing to those of his day and to those of future centuries. We must keep the fire of zeal for God burning in our soul. We must make Jesus Christ the Lord and the Master of all of our lives. We must completely submit ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And this is your opportunity to do that as we stand and while we sing.